just one choice away from everything that we want in this life. We are never guaranteed today, so I make every breath my right. We are living on the edge of greatness. How about it? This game the matrix. Can you taste it? You could be weightless without a spaceship. One chance, one shot in the given time. What you got? I got one mic, one strike. Yo, this ain't a game. This is real life. It's what you make of it. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna make a stake of it. Cause it's rare to see life well done. So you keep on pushing till that blood don't run. The only choice that I'm giving up is to give up. Fay is off the table, not an option in my playbook. Run it left, run it right, run it up the gut. Hail Mary, if I got her, baby, I'ma throw it up. Go for it, even if it's fourth down and 21. On my 21, and I have to carry life. Good morning and welcome to the Coffee with Chris show. It is Friday, February 11th. And if you are in the Baltimore metropolitan area, it is going to be a lovely day outside. It's supposed to be in the 60s today. Weird, but uh, I hope people get an opportunity to go outside and get some fresh air and um, enjoy the weather while it lasts before we go into the hellish month that is march uh march on the east coast is not fun um but uh, on the other side of that is always a beautiful spring so get out there and enjoy the weather today uh it's gonna be great uh so, so before i get into it today um uh just a couple updates next week i am going to start my new format i figured out exactly what i wanted to do finally it kind of clicked um, and I'm going to be doing that work over the weekend to hopefully give you a cleaner format next week. Um, so I hope I have things at least more organized out as we move forward going into the rest of the year. I was just watching last year's um, videos. I was like, man, it's been a year since I've, you know, changed the logo and everything and started having guests via Zoom and all that stuff. And like, I miss it. I miss making coffee on the show. Um, and I really just, I'm just so very passionate about music and I can't wait to just in integrate all these things together for y'all and, and make a very cohesive show, something entertaining and fun. Um, like I want my mom to come back and, and like what she brought to the show was something that I was not ready for or expecting and really did, um, open my eyes to some other possibilities with this show. Some like I, I kind of got a, a win last night. Like I have been struggling. If you follow me personally on Facebook, you know, I've been struggling. Um, and full disclosure is that I have ADHD. If you don't know, I have ADHD and it's, uh, it's, uh, you don't realize until you get help with like some of your shit, like you until you start dealing with it and you've gotten help and you've gotten some meds that, that really kind of like keep it together when you're without it. I can't, I don't even know how I lived like this for so long. I have no idea how I was able to like function as a human adult without ADHD meds for most of my life. 
um because i've been without my meds for like a week or so now things are straightened out i should get my meds today but um there was like a whole thing about like getting my meds re refilled because of the new year it's just kind of nonsense um and being without it for a week uh i just i've been so scattered and unable to focus and can't like all of the thoughts have shown up and like i have nothing i have no idea what to do with them and it's just, everything's just very difficult and um I got a little clarity last night, which is gonna hopefully I get my pit my meds my pills my pills today so that I can like focus and really like move forward. It's just not been a fun ride. So, um, but I do want to get into this conversation today about the N word. Um, I realized that I hadn't really talked about um, the whole Spotify Joe Ro Rogan situation. Um, and and I'm on Twitter and I'm reading a lot of this stuff and uh, it's been kind of like eye opening to me around uh, our feelings around this word, uh, especially um, especially when it comes to this this whole Joe Rogan situation. So if you don't know, I did post an article on the Coffee with Chris Joe page. Uh, it's an article uh, with India Ari talking about why she pulled her music away from Spotify. Now there are other artists have been pulling their music away from Spotify because of Joe Rogan. And it was mostly around the COVID um, vaccine misinformation stuff. But India Ari had this uh, compiled video of all the times Joe Rogan has said the N word and not like just the N word, like the N word with the hard R, right? and multiple times just over and over and over and over again and what has come of this is both surprising and not so uh a young man on on uh tiktok actually uh made a video talking about how common it was up until about the oj simpson trial how common it was for white people to recite the n-word and in, in means of quoting somebody else so like it had already been that word had already been deemed as a like offensive hate kind of word um post uh civil rights movement but white people still use that word to quote someone else right and then i started thinking about it and i'm like i remember um when nwa's album came out right and um and ice t's album came out like that that song cop killer was really big and all of that stuff everything was really hype around rap music and hip-hop in the news they like it was constantly trying to like demonize this genre of music and um when i remember hearing news anchors recite what nwa stood for um in its entirety and it didn't i don't think it phased me then when i was a kid and two um it it seemed normal to me to hear people recite it because it didn't sound like it was it didn't sound offensive um, but now when I hear a white person say the N-word, uh, it kind of like, it, it makes, it gives me feels. It actually, my whole body gets chills and I get goosebumps and all of those things, right? 
And watching that video of Joe Rogan just saying it over and over again, just completely like filled my body with so much rage and anger. Um, his apology was that this was one taken out of context and this was of 12 years of him doing his show and these were very old videos. And I'm thinking 12 years ago, we're in 2022. This was still very much post 2010. So like <laughs> you are still like, this is still not, that still doesn't make it acceptable. And there is no context in where saying the N word is ever appropriate. Right. And, uh, you know, so the other side of this coin was Trevor Noah did a, did like a whole thing of, you know, about this and Trevor Noah's video, uh, Trevor Noah was saying similar things about what I'm saying, like what I'm saying about it. It's like, you know, there's no way and this is ever okay. And, uh, Joe Rogan also made a really, um, off-putting joke about, uh, black people being, uh, apes when he went to go see the planet of the apes and Philadelphia. Um, and the response on Twitter was very annoying because Trevor Noah in the past have made some off, some off brand jokes, some not so great jokes. Um, and I'm talking about like these things that popped up post 2010 and some of it was like early 2010s that he was making jokes. And I think this is before he even got on the daily show. Um, and all of that stuff. And, um, he, uh, and people were just like, and these are like all types of people were just like, well, Trevor Noah, you're trash too. And all this other stuff. So here's where I'm like, kind of beyond annoyed with. So Joe Rogan's going to be fine. Right. We all know this. Right. So, um, it, Joe Rogan's going to be fine. Joe Rogan gets to write this off as he, he learned from his past. He gets to write this off as, um, you know, he apologized and Spotify has invested so much into Joe Rogan. Spotify is not going to get rid of Joe Rogan. It's this, the, none of that's going to change. Joe Rogan is going to be fine. Uh, you know, nowadays when, and I'll talk about council, council culture, um, uh, a little later, but there is no protest that is out actually valid anymore because every attempt to protest against something like this has been belittled to the point where it doesn't matter. So Joe Rogan's going to be fine. My gripe is also is, is mostly with how, how we handle this type of thing, right? Should, White people say the N-word? Absolutely not. It's not appropriate. That's the end of discussion. Don't say it. It's not for you to say. Can black people say it? Yeah, sure. It's a birthright. We're allowed to say it. And you're not allowed to um, really talk about how a black person can or can't say it. Uh, because, uh, you know, every black person has been called it. Uh, at least I, just about every black person has been called it. I've been called it. Um, and I think there is 
some power and being able to do something that white people can't do, which drives some white people crazy. They just said, that's just not an acceptable thing. This country is supposed to be full of possibilities for white folks to do whatever they want. And you're telling them, you know, you're going to tell them that there's something that they can't do and things that, that they can't touch. And it is, um, it has been very apparent that that, that idea is part of what's breaking apart everything like this. The, even when we talk about cancel culture, boycotting has been a, a form of legal protest black people have used for years. And like, it has been a way for us to be able to use our power, our money, our presence, our participation as power to, to protest something. And it is, it has been taken and stripped down to this weird social justice kind of commentation of cancel culture, which has been completely passed off as like, it's not that serious. This is what it is. So that we don't even have that opportunity to, uh, to protest this. Hold on a second. Zora. My cat's in here now and she's going to get on my nerves. And now she's going to go behind my green screen. This is great. Um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just really frustrating that Joe Rogan's going to get away with this. And it's going to be completely okay for him to have done this. And it's okay for him to harm us. Uh, and and any anyone who objects to this needs to have the squeaky clean image in order to say that this is not okay. <laughs> and it's like the, the, the standards against black folks are, are so high that we can't even stand up to say that we were hurt by something and and it has just been stripped like our ability to just fight and and be angry and say the things that we need to say is always stripped down to just being nonsensical or pointless or whatever and our voices fucking matter they they do and that word is offensive and L, I saw your comment and I understand how, I understand how that could make you feel. Um, and you can, you can have your opinions on how you interpret and feel because your feelings are valid. I'm not trying to un, um, devalue your feelings. Your feelings are absolutely valid around how you feel about the word. Um, but it's just. The, the line is where you go and tell someone that they can't use it. Tell a black person they can't use it because of how you feel about it. That's, that's not what we're doing here because your feelings are your feelings and they're valid, but you can't tell a black person that their actions around dealing with their own trauma is inappropriate because of your feelings. That's where the line is. Um, and you know, that's, that's really what 
you know, the N-word represents for us is, uh, it's just a place of trying to take trauma and move it into a position of power and having something that white people can't touch. That is the hope. That's the whole idea of it. It is, it's not about, uh, you know, really much else. <laughs> it is literally about us having something that white people can't have. Um, and it's a part of our culture that can't be touched. Uh, and, and because so much of our culture has been taken from us. So much of our, our like rooted ideas and our rooted, uh, you know, beliefs and, and our, the methods of our culture have been taken away. You know, I've said this before on the show, but I still 100% believe it. But white supremacy is the greatest abuser of the entire planet. And one thing that white supremacy has done to black Americans is it's, it has literally ripped apart our power and, and, and ripping apart our power is taking us away from each other. You know, ripping apart our family and our community and everything, having no connection to one another is, is probably one of the, the biggest things that has devastated our community. Now, like before, uh, you know, we go, we, we talk about like redlining and all of that stuff in, in the seventies and eighties, um, or the late sixties, seventies and eighties. In the 50s, when everyone came back from war, one thing that was very common as the, the country was building its infrastructure was people traveling. People traveled back and forth across the country all the time. They drove around and black people, I'm pretty sure people know about the Green Book, right? Black people couldn't just freely travel around the country. They had to be strategic about where they stopped and who uh, and, and what um, towns they drove through and what time of day they drove through those towns and everything like that. And one thing that was very common was to stop in a town, um, and knock on someone's door and stay at their house. It was very common for a traveler to, to knock on another, uh, black person's door and be like, Hey, I'm traveling. I don't have anywhere to stay or my car broke down. And it was very common for that person to come into your house and be made a meal and have a place to sleep. That was very common, especially in middle America. And because of like media and all of the, you know, impoverished uh, cities and all of this shit that like created this, like just gross have and have nots amongst us and our community and and the mass incarceration and all of that stuff has made us not trust one another. It's ripped that away from us. And the one thing that we get to hold on to was that word. And, you know, we get to have it. We get to have that. It's the one thing that actually really unifies us as a people. And it's one thing that we have, uh, it's one of the, the deepest connections that we have to one another is that word. Because that word is something that, like I said, almost all of us have been called it. We all have these same ish reactions to it, you know? Um, and I think 
these the newer generation may have less sensitivity to it um, because they're becoming further removed from a time where it was completely normal to hear someone on the news say that word. Um, but it's still there. It's still there. And where we don't even, we can't even physically be together the way that I feel like we should be. We have that. And what sucks is that somebody like Joe Rogan can do what he did and white folks will forgive him. Just be like, well, he learned his lesson. But we don't do that for each other. We don't do that for each other at all. We, we still have this skepticism around one another. This, this, are you really here for us? Are you on our side kind of like feeling towards one another? And if this, what we're experiencing now is really the beginnings of what a modern day civil war is, I wonder if we are strong enough to fight it. Because if the other side can make all the mistakes in the world, but they still have the strength of their community that have their back, do we do the same for, our, for each other on our side? I feel, I feel like we're weak. Um, and I feel like we don't have to accept that someone has said this and we don't, we have to stand up against these things. Um, I pulled my podcast away from Spotify for this reason, and I'm still on the fence of a full disclosure. I still have a Spotify account and I'm, it's hard for me to want to give that up. You know, my cousin, before he died, he has, his Spotify account is full of playlists of thousands of songs that he loved and listened to. He was such a music person. And that's something I hold very, very dear to me. And I don't know how to like, how to extract that music. It's so much of it. And it's such a connection to him. And, you know, I don't want to give up my Spotify account for that. However, I don't also have to encourage anybody else to use Spotify. Um, and that's how I felt about keeping my podcast on there is that I shouldn't, I don't have to encourage you to use it. I shouldn't encourage anyone to promote. I shouldn't promote or encourage anyone to use that platform. If you do, you do, but I'm not going to help them do it. Um, and I don't know if that means anything or if that makes any sense, but I think that that's where I'm at right now and it might change. Also, Spotify is giving a hundred million dollars away to, uh, creators of color, um, uh, which, you know, I just started a nonprofit with my people and I'm like, how can we get some of that money? <laughs> um, so there's that too. But I'm just disappointed in how easily white people who are who are racist towards black folks, especially, are given these passes. And the ones the ones who aren't are just made a very simple example of. Like you might lose your 
immediate job, but doesn't mean that you can't find another one. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean you're shunned. They're not, nobody's shunning you. Um, you know, people want to believe that council culture destroys lives. Like it, it, it makes your life a tad bit more difficult. Your life in comparison to a black person is still overall better. <laughs> so you're fine. And, and I, I hate to minimize someone's bad experience and, and bad, you know, I don't care if you're racist, you're racist, you know, <laughs> but I think that it is, uh, it's, it's about time that we hold that standard true and that we have a space to be united through that. It shouldn't matter where the criticism comes from on this one. I think that this is something that we need to stand together for. Um, I could go on and on and on and say how many ways this is inappropriate. And I mean, I, I think I posted um, a picture on my Instagram a while ago. I went to see Childish Bambino, Bam, Childish Bambino uh, at Preakness one year. Now, let me tell you, Preakness is not cheap. Preakness is a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting event. So it's up here at Pim Pimlico, which is like up the street from my house, um, in the middle of Park Heights, Baltimore, which is, um, in this very interesting part of Baltimore. So Northern Parkway, Northern Parkway is like, if you go north of Northern Parkway, it's mostly Jewish. Um, cause you'll see a lot of synagogues and, and all of this stuff is a very, uh, Jewish neighborhood. All those, uh, you know, a lot of shops around there are very kosher and all that stuff. But if you come South of, uh, uh Northern, um, Boulevard or Northern Parkway, uh, it's Park Heights and it is very black. Um, and Preakness is on that South side of, uh, Northern Parkway. And so once a year, there's this big event in the middle of Northern Park or middle of Park Heights that no one who lives in the area uh, can afford to go to. And it attracts all these uh, more wealthy-ish white folks that come into this area and they trash it. They, I mean, it's, it's already not pretty, but they trash it. It is... Uh, uh, you know, people have uh, parked all over place and, and, and just completely this, like destroy this neighborhood, um, that doesn't have any means to pick itself back up from. Right. So it's not like you go and, and trash a park in, in a really fancy neighborhood and the neighborhood has these funds and means to go clean it up. That's not what park height look, park heights look like. And so I've been hired to photograph Preakness a couple of years in a row. And I went to one year and I was really excited because Childish Gambino was gonna be there. And I was just like, yes. And it didn't really hit me about what the effects of Preakness into this neighborhood was until this instance. So I'm in the crowd. I don't have a uh, pit um, press pass. So like yours, you, and which is great because ha having a pit pass, pass, press pass means that I can only photograph the first three songs and then they kick you out of the pit when you're photographing like a national recording artist. But because I didn't have that, I was able to be in the crowd, but be fairly close. So I could photograph his whole set and nobody could say anything. Um, so 
uh, I'm in I'm in the crowd. I've got my you know my camera up and I'm photographing Charles Gambino and I'm like jamming along and you know he says um, I, I can't remember what was the name of the song Sweatpants. He's we're like dancing the sweatpants and uh, I we're all like singing along and I realize I'm in a sea full of white folks sea full white folks and we're all singing along and then i was just like nope yep every single person here just said the n-word um that's happening and and then it kind of i felt this like it felt like reality kind of just hit me in the face of everything that was going on there and i was just like i am incredibly uncomfortable now I'm uncomfortable with the fact that Childish Gambino knows that a lot, especially at this time in his career, a lot of his fans were white and he knows that a lot of his fans just sing along to his fucking songs and he does not care. He made money. That made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable that all these people felt comfortable enough doing that. And he did not even care that I was standing there. Um, that made me mad. It made me mad that they're doing this in this neighborhood where there are nothing but black people around and they're just, they just took it. It was, it was just like, it just, I, I just kind of felt robbed of my culture in that moment. And, um, And from there on, I just have a, this zero tolerance policy around anything around anything close to it. Uh, you know, if I if you come, nope, zero tolerance. Uh, if I hear it, zero tolerance. If you are like this is just none. Um, and which makes things complicated for me in a lot of places. And I don't know if I want to go there, but. If I hear it, if you're around me, if you say it, it's a, it's a rap. It's a rap. And I have let it slide before in the past. I had, I had let it slide before in the past, but that moment changed a lot for me. And when I say I let it slide, I mean, I let people apologize to me and I let people, uh, you know, have their feelings and feel regretful and all that stuff. It was never a, I let it slide because you felt entitled to saying that shit in my presence. It was always something else, but no. And I, it made, it makes things complicated for me to have this feeling because I have gotten myself in these weird, interesting positions, um, where there's an acknowledgement of something and I have to kind of hold it and it's I don't know it's complicated it's complicated that whole that part of it is complicated but that word is not a thing that it's it's literally a, a, a stealing it just feels like you're ripping apart something that really means something to, to us um Uh, Katie says, uh, I, uh, it's hard to know how to make a stand that matters to 
the corporate media machines boycott Netflix or Spotify. It means nothing to them. I feel like the last time a boycott had impact was the eighties. Um, no, we've, we've had some other successful ones. I think that the, the more social media has, uh, impact. I think the faster that we've get in our media, like the faster things happen, the less effective things are. Um, so like, uh, in the eighties and nineties, especially we weren't getting our news as fast as we do today. Like every 15 seconds is another news story, right? Um, then you had to wait till the news came on. And even so, even in the eighties and nineties with cable news was like 24 hour news. You were getting your news a lot faster than you were in the seventies where you had to wait until, you know, uh, five o'clock in the morning, noon and six o'clock at night, you know? But now, you know, we're getting our news as fast as it's happening. Um, it means that something that happened last week is several thousand news stories later. Um, and it makes for keeping up with something very hard. And when you need to boycott something, you need everyone to hold their attention and everyone has just no attention span anymore. Uh, and so it's, it, it does make it hard for corporations to take it seriously because they're still making money. Like, uh, we're still making money. And now like, you know, this whole thing with Joy Rogan, which I just, just cannot understand how Spotify could continue to just like go, we're going to hold tight. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like this is the shit that was happening on his show before they even signed him. Like, how did they miss it? And that's where I'm really disappointed because now they're going back through his archives to try to take those shows down, which is great and fine. Okay. You know, you're trying to fix your situation, but however, like, how did you not catch this shit before you gave him all that money? That's what I just don't understand. Uh, Kai says, I hate it when some try to tell you that it's racist or not, and then want to control your feelings about how you should feel. Don't tell me we were uh, all unified, standing up for the rights of others when all too often people are silent. True. First off, first rule of, of all the things is that if I tell you you did something racist, you don't get to tell me that you didn't. <laughs> like, that's that is point blank period if i tell you that you're being racist you don't get to tell me that you weren't that's not how that works uh it it, it just doesn't you don't get to deny uh you know that you don't you, you have to be like okay i was racist um they didn't care you're right katie uh, Anita says, how did Howard Stern get away with it for years and years and years and then bring, bring money plain and simple, simple. They get more business from people who don't like them listening to what they have to say than they do, um, from the fans. And I agree with that too. Um, because I wonder how many people went back and listened to those, uh, and tried to find those episodes of, of Joe Rogan saying the N word, right? How many um, people went back to go listen to his, his podcast to see if they could catch him saying it in other versions of his podcast. Um, and you're right. They, they don't care. And I, and what's painful is that at the end of the day, like, does anybody actually care? Um, 
and I also say this to other black folks. It's like, do we care? Do we care? Can we, can we care? Like, what can we do? And I feel like, you know, every effort that we've made to show that we care is always just such, it's so belittled and we're so gaslit. And there's, I know that there's a lot of us out here that are just tired because every time we try to say that some shit matters, the world tells us that it doesn't. It tells us that the, the, the world tells us that they just don't care about us. Um, a hundred, oh, a hundred. Anita was like, everybody seemed to forgive and forget that our president of the United States used the N word several times and they forget and they don't care. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I can go on and on and on about how easily we forgive white folks. I mean, we just, it's just like a, it's just a thing. We just do. We just forgive that shit. And I see that in just my everyday life. And I'm just like, I guess my feelings don't fucking matter. And, and, and the real, the real world answer is that they don't, they actually don't matter. And, um, I know we all want to believe that you want to believe that, you know, black folks voices and feelings and all that shit matters. You want to be like, oh, you matter. Your life matters. It's like, but actually does it, <laughs> does it now? So like, I think, you know, I know that this show has such a very large white audience and I want to challenge y'all to really think about it. Does it, do you only care when somebody dies? Do you only care when something bad happens? Do you only care when it affects you and your, and your like guilt and feelings? Or do they actually matter? Do people's feelings actually matter? Like dig into your own biases. And that's something they think more than just white folks have to deal with. I mean, this is a, we're living in a world in which we have been taught that and have these like unconscious biases that depending on where you come from, how you look, how you sound, all of those things play a role into how we respond to it. It's a, it's a, it's just an emotional, visual, emotional response to things. It's subconscious. You will naturally believe a dude, a white dude in a really nice suit who comes and tells you that, you know, shakes your hand, looks you in the eye and tells you that this pill is going to fix everything wrong with you you'd be like well how do i get that pill but if a black dude who you know coming out the gas station up the street from my house was just like yo i got this pill that's gonna fix everything you got you were like nigga please <laughs> you like get away from me um and i only said the n-word because i have a trigger warning up and i just needed to say it at least once um <laughs> but uh it's I felt like I needed to get it in one time, but there's a, a point where you, um, you know, you know that you are going to believe that dude in the suit before you believe the dude to coming out of the gas station, trying to sell you this pill. And it could be the same pill and they could both be telling you the truth. And 
it is something that you have to fully, fully, fully like examine yourself in that. Um, when you are driving down the street and those kids come through trying to like squeegee you windows, there's a lot of there's a lot of cultural like collision that's happening there, and you know. How many people try to ignore them? How many people try to say something to them? How many people, you know, like how how do you feel and all of those things? And like, do you have a sense of being like, oh gosh, this kid? Because some of those kids are just a mess. And you're just like, dude, I told you I don't want you to wash my windshield. And they are just frustrated because they've been outside all day. And Lord knows what the hell is going on over their lives. And like, I roll away from them being like, I don't know what's going on in your life. You just annoyed the hell out of me, but I don't know your life. And some people roll away and just hold on to that shit and think that that's like how every black person is, you know, like there is definitely a way to change the way you think about people individually in comparison to how you build into bias and it has been a very long road of black folks trying to survive in this country and we're finally in a position where some of us have something some of us have some resources. Some of us have things to say. Some of us are, are angry and have been able to beat some odds. Some of us have gotten fucking lucky. But it doesn't mean that the fight's over. It doesn't mean that we have, we are post-racist. We are not in this uh you know we're not there you know three people get three black folks get a couple of dollars in your pocket and white folks are just like racism doesn't exist i think about this shit every day i think about this shit every day i think about this shit when I struggle to fill out a job application. I think about this shit when I have to go to, uh, you know, a different side of town to go do something. And I see how different I'm treated. See, one thing that I, I am lucky that I have experienced and there are things that some folks just haven't experienced that they might not know any different. So for example, when Sydney was up at Sinai last summer, we knew that the treatment that she got there was garbage. And the reason why we know that that treatment was garbage is because we've been somewhere better. Do you know what I mean? Like we've had an opportunity to be in better situations. So when we were, we call out racism, we call out bullshit, it's because we've seen an opportunity or we've seen situations where that shit doesn't happen. Or we experience things in a ways 
that we know that this situation is fucked up and this one isn't. We know that there is a possibility for somebody to act appropriately versus someone who doesn't. And so that means we know that there's a possibility for that to look appropriate. And I'm happy and blessed that I've had those opportunities to see that shit. I'm happy and blessed about where I grew up because if I didn't grow up in an area where like I would say, I have to say like at a, any place in the world, Columbia, Maryland is probably one of the most diverse areas I've ever been to and genuinely diverse. And just, I'm very lucky to have grown up there because I see, I'm able to see it. I could see, good God, I remember when my teachers treat me like absolute garbage for no reason. <laughs> okay, a little bit of reason. But it was harder for teachers to actually hold a lot of biases against us because we were all from very different backgrounds and different economic backgrounds. And like, it was just such a mix of people um, until you do get a teacher that's just like really wrong. And it was easy to see. And we protested that shit. We called that shit out because we could see and I'm just saying that like, I'm not, I know that where I come from has given me the ability to see some shit and ability to have a, a level of understanding around some shit. I do believe in making a friend before making an enemy too. Sometimes, sometimes because it can't continue to lose people to the other side too. We ain't gonna win this fight, just losing people to the other side. However, we gotta figure out how to work together. I'll tell you that much. But I'm just saying though, um, oh yes. Um, Kai brought up um, Amir Locke, who um, was killed killed in his house on a no-knock warrant, which is insane that after all of this shit, after Breonna Taylor and all this shit, see, the thing is, is that everything is state by state, right? This is probably one of the reasons why white folks think that the South actually did win the Civil War, because we, really, we should not have these type of laws be state by state. This should be a federal law against a no knock warrant, especially if there's a federal law, which is the second amendment, which is the right to bear arms to protect your house, right? So that's a federal amendment that applies to every single person in this country. Then having a no knock warrant makes absolutely no sense. So that means if you walk into somebody's a police officer, just busts into someone's house in the middle of the night on a no-knock warrant and that person has the right to bear arms and defend their house. That doesn't equal a good situation, especially if the police officers are walking into a black man's house knowing that they're scared of him to begin with because obviously being a police officer to some white folks believe that their life is more important than the lives they're supposed to save even though they're supposed to put their life on the line. No, make no damn sense, right? So 
they massacred this kid. Alvin, I know, I see Alvin, Alvin, I know you get this because it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like, um, you know, you walk into this guy's house. What do you think he's going to do? See, I think, see, the thing is, Franz, I think Joe Rogan was already on the other side. Joe Rogan was already here for Trump and all that other shit. And even though, like, you can't really, he tried to try to play on the line. It's like, dude, you were already there. Anita, I just read your comment and, it was, and I chuckled because that's how he called himself. <laughs> um, but right. Uh, and, and if that's where he was, that's where he was. And I appreciate you going, look, I'm not calling you that. <laughs> um, there's no telling what his life was. There's no, t there's no telling. Uh, but yeah, I just... Oh God, I could just, it, my brain is all over the place. This is why I need to go get my meds, but I think, I think I'm going to recap a little bit is that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that word is one of the few things that we have that universe that unifies our culture and community. Everything else has been taken from us. And it is definitely being, being a victim of racism is the thing that unifies us. Weirdly enough to say that it's hard to say it like that, but it's the truth. And that word is something that that weirdly signifies that and that's just what it is and it's not for anyone else to use now there are a lot of people who might have um compelling arguments around uh latinx people using that word um I'm not a fan of that. The end. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all. Um, but some some people, especially if you go West Coast, stuff like that, it's a different culture of um, connection probably with that. And I can't speak to that experience, but it does make me uncomfortable. Um, and... But I can't say, see where I look I, at the end of the day, I mean, this is just how I feel, but at the end of the day, black people didn't cho choose to be here. <laughs> we didn't go, Hey, let's get on this boat together and have a cruise to America. That didn't happen. <laughs> That's not what it looked like at all. Um, and there was no, 
journey to America for better culture for or not better culture, but better opportunity that none of that happened for us. Um, all of us who are descendants of slaves because I can't speak for every black person because not every black person in America is a descendant of slavery either. So that's another thing, right? So there are black people who live in this country who were just, who are from Africa or from other parts of the world um, that aren't descendants of American slavery. Uh, and they are, they come to this country and are treated as such. And it's just, I don't, oh God, I just, uh, this country really blows my mind. My people, my ancestors helped build this country. Helped build this country with their lives, with their blood, with their hands. And it's 2022 and I'm having a conversation around telling a bunch of white people to not be racist. It's like, what a fucking insult to all of my ancestors. You know, like what a fucking disgrace to all of those people who help give this country infrastructure, who help give this country resources, who helped make your food taste good. What an insult to all of those people. How fucking disrespectful. And that's, that's how I feel when I hear people be so cavalier around racism in this country is I just feel like how deeply disrespectful that is to all that came before. So that is how I feel about that. And that is how I'm ending this show. So my advice to y'all don't be a fucking asshole. Don't use that word unless you're black. The end. Um, until Monday, where uh, I believe Monday's show will be a little long. It will be two hours long on Monday. We're going to have a little better show. Like better, but different. Different format, the whole thing. Uh, we'll have a good motivation Monday. We'll be talking about gratitude again. We'll be talking about, I'll um, we'll be making my coffee and all of the good things. Some A little bit of news. So there's going to be this segments what um so until monday i hope y'all have a fantastic weekend uh and monday is valentine's day so like i hope y'all have a nice romantic weekend if you are uh even if you are alone have some romance to by yourself it's fine until monday have a fantastic weekend y'all uh take care and i'll see you next time bye everyone